Well, this morning I'm going to give you the RCGV <laughs> message this morning. It's from the revised, condensed Greg version. It's my wife's favorite. She loves it when I shorten down. I actually am going to edit a few things. Um, but I want to talk this morning a little bit about uh, one of my favorite psalms. We are a word and spirit church here, and so I'm going to challenge you a little bit to engage with the word in a unique way this morning. We're going to stand together, if you would, and I'm going to read a whole psalm. So stretch yourselves. We're not going to put it on the screen. I know we are not a verbal story tradition culture. Just deal with it. It's only, it's less than a few minutes. Close your eyes if you have to. But let's listen to the story of the word. I'll read it to you. Then we'll have the visuals later for, you know, for those that learn that way. But let's just listen to the word of God. This is Psalm 40. I waited, waited expectantly for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and set my feet on a hard, firm path and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing of praises to our God. Now many will hear of the glorious things he did for me and stand in awe before the Lord, and they will put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud or to those who turn aside to false gods. O oh Lord my God, many and many a time you have done great miracles for us. And we are ever in your thoughts. Who else can do such glorious things? No one else can be compared with you. There isn't time to tell of all your wonderful deeds. It isn't sacrifices and offerings that you really want from your people. Burnt animals bring no special joy to your heart. You have opened my ears and given me the capacity to hear and obey your word. By the way, Joshua's word contained a phrase, I will remove the stop gaps in your hearing. We didn't tag that together. The Lord has a release of hearing for us. Then I said, here I am. I have come, it is written about me in the scroll, and I delight to do your will, O my God, for your law is written upon my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I have not kept this good news hidden in my heart, but I have proclaimed your loving kindness and truth to all the congregation. O oh Lord, don't hold back your tender mercies from me. My only hope is in your love and faithfulness. Otherwise, I perish. For problems far too big for me to solve are piled higher than my head. 
Meanwhile, my sins, too many to count, have all caught up with me, and I am ashamed to look up. My heart fails within me. Please, Lord, rescue me. Quick, come and help me. Confuse them, turn them around, and send them sprawling. All those who are trying to destroy me disgrace these scoffers with their utter failure. But may the joy of the Lord be given to everyone who loves him and his salvation. May they constantly exclaim how great God is. I am poor and weak, yet the Lord is thinking about me right now. Oh my God, you are my helper, you are my savior. Come quickly and save me, please don't delay. That's the good word of the Lord. Please be seated. We'll talk about it a little bit. I was talking with Pastor Josh yesterday about last week and what happened when Matt Whalen spoke here. And I was saying to Josh, I, I can't exactly put words to it. I'm not sure what happened. I know something happened. It was really cool. And Josh said, I'm not sure either. We talked about it. And then this morning, Ethan stood up and he said it. I think he hit it. I think that is what it was. There's a reset. There's a, a hearing that's being released and there's a new start. And we are going to claim that, declare it over us. We say yes to a reset. We wanna receive it. And as the Lord leads us to respond to his word through Josh, by the way, I, I, we're gonna post that. We'll stick it on the website so you can see it. And uh, I'll, wherever Caleb is, Caleb's over here somewhere, you know. Soon as you can, put that up there. In fact, if you're back there going like this, it's cool. We're gonna post that for you so we can read it. And, but let's wisely... In the Lord, respond to it. Nobody's pushing you. Just listen to what the Holy Spirit says. That's how we do words here. We listen to what the Holy Spirit says. But if he enables something in you, if he stirs it up, take it. We're gonna build on what he did last week. Lord, we're gonna ask you to reveal a little bit about the path that we're on through this passage. Come, Holy Spirit, and teach us from your word. We love to hear from you. I don't know how the Psalms were arranged. I'm not an Old Testament scholar. I don't know how they grouped them the way that they did, but I do know that sometimes it pays to sort of look at what's around. And if you start at Psalm 37 and then read 37, 38, 39, and 40, there's a, there's a little bit of a grouping there and David, they're all written by David, and he is describing a sort of a, a, a picture of the path of his life, kind of an up and down and up and down. And then it all kind of gets contained in Psalm 40 
There are times when we're in a pit, a miry pit, and we need deliverance and we cry out to the Lord and then he delivers and then we're kind of up at the top. And then generally what happens, and if you've been alive as long as I have to actually have gray hair, thank you, RK. (laughs) Then you recognize that's pretty typical. Some of us do it all in one day. But no matter what, we're gonna have those ups and downs. And described in this passage are some very specific things for us to do when we're in a pit and then what to do when the Lord delivers us and how we're to respond. And we recognize that salvation is not about what we do. We're not earning our salvation. But I have news for you. Now that you're in, that you got in for free, by the grace of God, he's gonna call you to do things. And we're gonna talk about that this morning. We need to do stuff. If we're gonna get a reset, we're gonna have to step up and do some things. And so this morning, I'm gonna tell you what he tells us we should do. And they're actually pretty cool. Go ahead and put that first slide up, would you, Jeff? I waited, waited expectantly for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. So as David describes himself in this low place, in this pit, which we'll talk about in a minute, this is what you do when you find yourself in that kind of a spot. I waited, waited, not all versions repeat it, but it's a great translation because it's a word of intensity. We are to cultivate, here's something to do. Cultivate personal intensity. When we wait on the Lord, we're supposed to wait, wait with some intensity. And that may mean getting somebody to pray with. I don't do so well on my own. I am so thankful to have my wife, Jody, who helps me. We have an agreement that we will try as often as we can when we are both at home. I work from home some of the time and she uh, is home a lot of the time that every day we will spend time in the word. We like to go outside in the backyard and, and then we will pray together. Having a prayer partner cultivates intensity. If that's what it takes for you, I'm telling you right now, just do it. Get it. It's time for us to get on with it. We are gonna have to be seeking the Lord with intensity like we haven't had before. It's time for that. Sometimes we just quit too early. Sometimes we have to pray more than once. There's an interesting verse in Luke 18. It says, And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Sometimes we have to wait for a while. We're gonna have to cultivate intensity to do that. By the way, then it says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. I don't really understand that exactly. If he's bearing long, how does the deliverance come speedy? I don't know exactly. Maybe it just seems speedy. But the point is, we have to stay with it. Now, it doesn't mean if you're waiting that you can't ask him to hurry up. It says that right here. You heard it in verse 13. It says, quick. In verse 17, come quickly, don't delay. So it's not a problem to ask him to hurry. Don't worry about that. But we're gonna have to stick with it with some intensity 
over an extended period of time, perhaps. Let's do it together. Let's get in it. Let's go. You know, we, um, I was going to talk about this a little bit later because of our response to it, but it fits here. We didn't actually talk about this in the service last weekend, and it was, a, it was an accident. We just got all wrapped up in so many things with the guest speaker. But there was big news with the Supreme Court decision, and we are celebrating that we are a pro-life church. And that was prayed about for almost 50 years. Now, by the way, by way of reminder, we are not a particular party pro-church. They all need big help. But we are a pro-life church, and we are celebrating what God has done. And many people prayed diligently for years. And sometimes that's what it takes. So that's what Psalm 40 is calling us to. And there will be many other things like that that we are going to have to say, I'm on board for that. Wait, wait expectantly. There's an anticipation, there's a hopefulness in this kind of prayer that David describes. The assumption is God is going to answer. And I am waiting expectantly. I'm pressing in with hope. And we need to cultivate that as well. There are a couple of ways to tell if you're not praying expectantly. Would you like to know what they are? Check two things. Check your, your thoughts and emotions related toward evildoers. Interesting verse. Next slide, would you flip there, Jeff? It, it says in the beginning of Psalm 37, do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. By the way, I had a brother come up to me a few days ago and said to me, he finally found in the Bible why I shouldn't play the guitar. <laughs> do not fret. <laughs> These are the kind of things we have to put up with. And I'm calling you out, Jim. It was you. <laughs> but the point of it is, Here's how to tell when you're actually not praying with hope. It begins to look like a better deal just to give up and go do something that the world does because God's not coming through. And you begin to, you know, it, it just seems like the ones that aren't following God are the ones that are really doing good. Why do they have all that stuff? Why is it working well for them? You begin to check your own heart. Look for that sense of looking around and seeing who's prospering and it's not you. That's a check. Look at your heart. And the second is to take a look at what you're doing. There are ways to do things that demonstrate and in themselves cultivate that spirit of expectancy. There's an amazing passage, Proverbs 31 is describing a godly woman, and it says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. Yeah. Revelation 2.4 says, you have abandoned your first love, repent, and perform the deeds 
that you did it first. So just look at the things that you're doing. Are they a smile on your face of expectancy that God is doing things and he's going to come through? Are you doing the things faithfully that lovers do like you used to? We're gonna have to check our hearts and our prayer lives to see that we are waiting, waiting expectantly in order to really press into the Lord. And I believe he's calling us up to that. That first verse says, he turned to me and heard my cry. And that turned to me describes riveted attention. The Lord turned and looked and listened. We are cultivating that kind of expectancy when we seek the Lord. And that's what David demonstrated to us. I'm gonna jump ahead. Let's get to verse two. Next slide, Jeff. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and set my feet on a hard, firm path and steadied me as I walked along. I'm a little weird, and I'll admit it right now, and I also will demonstrate how old I am by this reference. I was wondering as I was reading this, whatever happened to fear of quicksand? When I was a kid, like quicksand was a problem. Like it was in shows and stuff. Does anybody here know what Gilligan's Island is? All right, all the gray hairs. There was quicksand on that little island. It was a problem. How about Raiders of the Lost Ark? Anyone? Anyone? Quicksand was in there. Very scary. What about, what about uh, Blazing Saddles, the movie? Hello, quicksand in it. Princess Bride, thank you very much. You know, like, it used to be like nightmares about quicksand. Even the Roadrunner cartoons. It was nice that they put a nice sign on a stick right next to it so you could know what you were falling into because that's what always happened. So quicksand is not something that we think about so much, but it's a wonderful description of what David was facing. Here's what isn't in this passage. We don't know what the pit was. Could have been sickness. Could have been uh, some enemy that was attacking, some peril that came from the outside. We don't know. And that's a good thing because our response is the same no matter what. Whenever we are afraid, we are to turn to the Lord and have him deliver us. We don't know what the, what the pit is, but we are called to turn to him. Now, the fascinating thing is, verse three, he has given me, well, it says, I didn't finish verse two yet. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and set my feet on a hard, firm path and steadied me as I walked along. This is the deliverance part. So David is teaching us when we're in that pit, we're to wait, wait expectantly, and the Lord will with riveted attention turn to us and listen. 
And we can expect him to deliver us from a nearby place, by the way. God is the most high and the most nigh. He delivers from a near place and is close enough to steady me while I'm walking on the path where he sets me, where I'm standing. And as he does that, then we'll move to verse three. I'm, I'm running along here. We're not gonna do this on every verse in the passage. I really am gonna do the condensed version. But there are certain things that we're supposed to do when he delivers us. He has given me a new song to sing of praise to our God. Now many will hear of the glorious things he did for me and stand in awe before the Lord and put their trust in him. Are there any singers in here? Any guitar fretters? Musicians? We are to sing a new song. Any painters? Journalers? Woodcarvers? We are to take the gifts that the Lord has given us and use them to express the goodness of the Lord. I was challenged by this as I was reading. We went and visited some good friends of ours a couple days ago. Shout out to Larry and Donna. I know you're watching. We went and visited them on Friday, Jody and I, and I took my guitar with me, which I don't do like I used to do. You know, I've got this weird thing. It's like I don't, I'm afraid of being seen as campfire guitar guy. <laughs> do you know who that is? You got a mental picture. I know you did. And, and so I just kind of let it, I just sort of let it go. And I felt that the Lord spoke to me through this passage and said, well, you're gonna go. You're gonna pray with these folks. Why don't you take your guitar with you? So we sat and we sang, great is thy faithfulness. And you know, that's a new song. Because I got new faithfulness to sing about with the old song. It became a new song. And this delightful couple sang it with us. And we honored the Lord. We, this is what you are supposed to do, is sing a new song, declare the praise of the Lord, exalt his name, paint a new painting, carve a new thing, twirl a flag, make a move, declare his praise. We are called to do that. You must do that if you want to obey the Lord. And I believe he is saying to us in this season, it is time to do the things that you know to do. And as Ethan mentioned, it's not a big complicated thing. The reset sometimes is just start it over again to do the same old things that used to do. This is that. But I believe the Lord is saying it is time to do those things that you used to do with first love and do them again with intensity. When I deliver you, deliver the story to somebody else. Deliver the testimony. He's calling us to do the things that praise causes to come up within us. Do those things. Is Crystal here? Did I see? Crystal, come up here. I'm going to introduce you to Crystal Bradford. Most of you don't know Crystal because she's relatively new here. So this is Crystal Bradford. But I heard 
trying to turn this on for you, Crystal. There you go. I heard she has a testimony. And so I asked her to share it with you. Tell us about it. Okay, I thought you were going to say I was in a car accident. <laughs> you got to tell it. I was in a car accident about two weeks ago. And so it's been a focus of mine ever since Pastor Paul has been teaching us about the importance of prayer and how it makes all the difference. And so I cried out to God and he healed my body. And I didn't even need to fill the prescriptions that the doctors gave me. And then I came up for prayer and I was still in a neck brace because my neck was still healing, but I came up for prayer. And the, uh, their car's insurance uh, took full responsibility. And so uh, it turns out that our statements matched mine and hers. And God blessed the truth being said and told. And it just re relieved me so much because it was like every thought, every concern, every potential stress that I could think of even though I knew I could trust him to take care of me because he's proven it over and over and over to me, I still needed to go up for prayer because I was like, I need backup because my human doesn't get my faith sometimes. And so it was like the Lord just scooped it all up in that moment when they took full responsibility and was like, I got you. And I was just so thankful. And yes, praise the Lord. And uh, you know, when we come to the throne of Jesus with a repentant heart and full surrender, we get to see his power be made manifest in our lives. And then we get to testify of the goodness of the Lord because he deserves the glory. And we get to overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So that is how I want to deliver my testimony because that's how we overcome. I think we don't testify enough to when people come up at ministry time at the end of the service, the Lord moves. And so I thought that was a great one. She came up, actually had the neck brace on and the Lord touched her that day and delivered. And we just wanna testify of that more often. So I wanna say there are those things to do in response to when we're in the dip, the low place, we wait wait expectantly and call on the Lord with hope. And then when he delivers, we sing a new song and we declare his praises. Interesting thing, and I'm just gonna wind this down with this. When we get down to verse 11, you have to skip ahead a few slides there, Jeff. I'm editing myself, which is actually a miracle right there. Praise God. Right after he declares the mighty works of God in verses nine and 10, just like Crystal just did, he says, oh Lord, don't hold back your tender mercies from me. My only hope is in your love and faithfulness. Otherwise I perish for problems far too big for me to solve are piled higher than my head. He's going back down in again. Life does that, doesn't it? And he says, meanwhile, my sins, too many to count, have all caught up with me. Oh, too, too big for me to solve, are piled higher than my head. 
Meanwhile, my sins, too many to count, have all caught up with me, and I'm ashamed to look up. My heart fails within me. Sometimes the pit that we're in is our own fault. And you know what difference that makes in terms of seeking the Lord? None. doesn't matter if it's an outside peril because you live on the earth and sometimes we get sick or things happen, even when we cause it ourselves, We turn to the Lord and the rest of the psalm, he goes right back around in again. He cries out to the Lord. He says, please come, rescue me, quick. And he's all back in again, waiting and waiting expectantly. Even when we find ourselves in a spot that we made and we stacked those things up over our own heads, he will receive our cries to come back to him. So there are three things that we can do to respond to Psalm 40. The first one, let's all stand together. And while we're doing that, I'm going to have the minister team go ahead and come forward because there's three ways that we can respond to this word of the Lord. One is to sing a new song, to give a testimony. So if you need somebody to testify to a blessing that you have received from the Lord recently, you could come up here and do it with one of these people right here. Or you could turn around and do it next to somebody there next to you because, you know, everybody could do that. But we can respond by testifying to the goodness of the Lord. The second thing that we can do in response to Psalm 40 is to repent. To admit that some of the problems that we're facing, we did it. And say, brother, sister, I need prayer because I've got myself into a mess. Will you encourage me that the Lord will hear me and come alongside me? And they'll do that. And then third, sometimes you just have to come up and get prayer for just a mess that you're in. Maybe it's not even your own fault. Peril comes our way. Troubles come to us as the sparks fly up, it says in Job. That just happens. And so we want to encourage one another to pray for one another. So if you need prayer for one of those things, you would need somebody to help you celebrate the goodness of God, go ahead and start playing there, Bill. You can do that. Or just grab somebody and say, you know what? I've kind of kept this inside. I need to testify to the goodness of the Lord. And if you need somebody to pray with you about a mess you've gotten yourself into, it's not a therapy session up here. You don't have to go into all the details, but you can say, I made a mess. And I'm asking the Lord for his grace and his restoration. And if you just need prayer for a mess that you're in because it came to you, come and get prayer. Let's respond to the Lord. Let me pray for you. But if you want to come up for prayer, you can go ahead and start coming now. Father, we thank you that you are the one who has riveted attention toward our cries. You listen from a very close place, and we bless you for that. Thank you. Would you stir us afresh? to do the things that we need to do when we're broken, to reach out to you, to praise you in the way that you deserve when you deliver so that there would be a glorious testimony 
and people would come to trust you and that you would receive the honor that you deserve. And when you meet us, when we make our own quicksand and then step in it, we need your mercy. We thank you that it's available to us. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for coming this morning. You are welcome to go. You are welcome to stay and pray, give testimony together. Thank you for your wonderful attention this morning. It's good to see you.